Sorry, I was muted. I'm Rusty, guys. I'm Rusty. Hi, Rusty. Can we change his name to that? We can do that. We can change that to Rusty here. Let's see. Let's go here. Properties. There we go. We have Rusty with us tonight. It's it's Rusty with two E's. Thank you. Rusty with two Okay. Rusty with two E's. We, we got that. Yeah, here we go. I actually went to school with a kid named Rusty. I dated a girl and her, dad, his name, her dad's name was Rusty. And he was a mechanic, so it was kind of weird. Welcome back to the Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest on New Mexico United. My name, of course, is Seth Bedoff, and joining me this week, I've got Rusty and Earl, and <laughs> and uh, it's been a couple weeks, but we are excited to be back with you guys. Um, we don't have a whole lot to get through here at the top of the show, but first and foremost, I do want to say thank you to everyone who has continued to listen to the, th- to the show uh, throughout the 2020 season and all of the covid uh, breaks and things that we have had and the way the season has been. And uh, I, I know we're not sponsored by Pinecast, but I want to give them a shout out. Um, each and every episode that we put out at the bottom of our show notes in out in iTunes or Google Play or wherever, there's a link. And for those of you who have been listening and going to the show notes, if you go through Pinecast and start a podcast of your own and use them for your hosting, uh, by you guys using that referral link, we actually get a credit towards our account with Pinecast and you guys are using this link and that's absolutely incredible. Like we love the Pinecast service. I love the Pinecast service. We have multiple shows hosted on Pinecast and it's like $5 a month, and which is really awesome. A uh, really great deal. You can host unlimited shows and we do both this show and Dad Ventures over there. And you guys have been supporting us that way. And we've had enough folks use that referral link to where you know, we're, we're set for a while on paying for the, for podcast hosting. So, um, th- yeah, we're good for uh, like 17 months or something like that. So, um, thank you guys so much for checking out the show, being here with us and using that link. I mean, that directly benefits us, uh, and helping us, uh, maintain a host for the podcast. So when we keep bringing you episodes each and every week, um, so if you are interested in doing a, pine- a podcast of your own, go check out pinecast.com. Uh, again, it's $5 a month, unlimited shows, um, and you get your own little referral link. Uh, anyone that uses that referral link and uh, uses it for like two months, I think, you get a credit towards your own account. Uh, so it's a really great deal. Go check them out. Uh, can't recommend them enough. So um, again, I, again, we're not sponsored by them, but I just had to throw a shout out to them and to you guys for listening and supporting the show that way. You guys have been absolutely incredible. So uh jacob we're glad to have you back man how have you been uh i've got a couple i've got a couple questions for you here in just a few minutes um uh, but yeah how are you doing we haven't talked to you in a while oh yeah when how long is it because i two weeks ago was the first time we had recorded since the holidays huh yeah since before the holidays oh man there's probably been so much that has happened that uh, i'm not even gonna try to get into it all i'll just break it down for the last two weeks um basically uh Everything's good. Um, we had a loss over the holidays, uh, as I know you did, Seth. Um, my wife's grandmother passed away uh, the Sunday before 
Christmas. So we have been um, dealing with, struggling with, coping with, whatever words you want to use there. Um, but other than that, you know, work is going good. I got a raise at the first of the year. I get another one in February. So, um, that's going good. My wife is still working. Uh, the boys are still healthy. Everybody else, everybody else in my household anyways has been COVID free. So, um, not a whole lot to complain about. Oh, good. Glad to hear that you guys are doing well. I, I, I'm sorry for your loss. We've, we've chatted, we've texted about it. And yeah, I mean, it's never easy. Um, and just, you know, I know that the process of getting back to normal after something like that is something that takes a while. I mean, we're back to our you know somewhat regular schedule, as I, I'm sure that you guys are probably back on a somewhat normal routine. But there are days where... I know like for, for, for my wife, like it's harder for her than other days. And I'm sure that your wife is going through the same thing. And, you know, it's definitely an adjustment not having that family member around. Mm. And we actually still haven't even had any kind of service. Um, and I know services with COVID around are, are kind of up in the air, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, vent for just a split second because um i've talked to my wife about it um and a few other people but so we've kind of talked about our religion um at least me and seth have on not so maybe not so much this podcast but definitely the dead ventures one a little bit more and um you know with covid can you hear my boy screaming his head off back there we can it sounds like he's having a good time he, the, the little one, man, he's just, have you watched the Crudes? Not necessarily the second one, but the first one at least. Oh yeah. So he's, he is the little, the little girl in that show. Like he just runs around screaming and throwing stuff and shooting things with fake guns and banging on things with a stick. And, and he's just a wild child. Like I don't, I think it's cause he has a mullet and the mullet is giving him just crazy life uncontrollable powers like i don't know i don't know what's going on there but anyways i digress um so so we go to church um we've gone to church for the most part through through most of covid um and you know i'm 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 probably more on the right side of things, not the right versus wrong side, but the right versus left side of COVID when it comes to opening schools back up and trying to get some semblance of normal. Um, and I'm not going to to go really into that. But I do think that there's a fine line between um, doing getting back to normal and getting back to normal safely and responsibly. Um and I'm a little annoyed at my church back in Berlin because, so they had an event called Faith Over Fear. The first one I was okay with. It was outside. It was outdoors. It was a protest, uh, quote unquote. Um, and they did that one, and it was, from what everybody could kind of tell, not really a super spreader. Um, people wore masks and kind of distanced for the most part, and it was outside, so it was a little bit easier. But then they had a second one. Um, that was at our old church in Berlin and it was indoors. 
And right after that is when uh, my wife's mother got COVID. And from that point on, the next month or so, we had probably 10 to 12 cases of COVID from that church. And one of those was my wife's grandmother who passed away. Um, We had another older gentleman that I was really close to at the church who passed away from it. Um, Another older lady got it and got pneumonia. Um, Since then has recovered, but still had a struggling month. Um, And so I I was already slightly upset about that. But for the service coming up on Friday... Um, they are not limiting the people that the limiting the number of people that can come. They're basically opening the church up and saying, come to the service to celebrate Claudia's life. Um, and I, 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 I say that I don't know how I feel about it when the truth of the matter is I know how I feel about it. And I think it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, and this is coming from the guy that wants schools open and, wants sporting events to have limited number of fans and wants um, zoos and, and stuff like that to, to stay open and, and small businesses and restaurants and dining restaurants or restaurants having, I want restaurants to have dining options again and stuff like that. And I think that for the most part, all of that can be done safely and has been done safely throughout this thing and keeps getting shut down for reasons that I'm not going to go into, or at least my opinion is that. Um, But to have an event indoors where you don't limit number of people, you don't promote social or social distancing, you don't promote wearing masks, um, when you've already had an event like that, and it can almost directly be linked to the death of two of your members, I think is absolutely insane. Um, so, so that has been the biggest thing on, on my mind, um, as far as the happenings in our life. Um, I I just think it's incredibly irresponsible and you guys, I, I can almost guarantee that you guys are going to be right there with me. So you don't even really have to, to agree or put your two cents in. Cause I, I, I think it's kind of a topic that um, not a lot of our listeners really care to hear on a soccer podcast, but, um, when you ask me how I've been, uh, the last month or so since we've talked last on this platform, um, everything else is pretty much small potatoes. Um, you know, work is work, family's family, everybody's healthy except for the one loss that we had. Um, and when you have a loss, uh, it's it's kind of a big deal, and when that loss is kind of linked to people being irresponsible and leading to more irresponsibleness from the same people, uh, it's really frustrating. And I'm going to be there Friday um, for the service. I will be in the church. I will wear my mask. Um, I will do my best to social distance, uh, but I will be there because my wife's family and my wife need me there. Um, otherwise, I would not. If it was just for somebody else at the church, I would probably not go unless it was somebody that was really, really important to me um, or really, really important to my wife. So so that's I'm going to hop off my my little soapbox here and um, very awkwardly segue 
unless you guys have something really, really pressing that you want to add to that. Um, crickets, so I'm going to move on. Um, I have gone full dad mode, guys. I've gone from trying to be a dad that was like still kind of cool and um, wouldn't use the word hip, but uh, and I, I've just said screw it. And your your full dad mode used word hip. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, well, I said I didn't use the word hip, uh, even though I did say the word hip. But um, I've always thought I was I was fairly relatable to the kids, you know. And uh, and now I just said screw it. And uh, I have gotten into collecting playing cards and performing sleight of hand. And uh, guys, I love it. We're gonna have another podcast. So we got the B podcast. We got the soccer podcast. We got the dad podcast. We're going to have a card magic podcast soon. And uh, it could just be me talking to myself and performing magic to myself and uh, reacting to my own magic. I don't care. <laughs> um, the Dad Ventures brand will have a magic section if it's the last thing I do. Yeah, you sent us a little clip of you uh, doing a little side of hand earlier, a little uh, hand movement there. And uh, yeah, you've gotten pretty good at it. I can't say that I've ever delved that deep into magic. I mean, my kids aren't really fascinated by it. I mean, they had a magic kit, but they really didn't do much with it. Well, I, so, so one of it, part of it is my son, my oldest. I'll disappear things for him. And basically I'll, I'll, I'll put something under a blanket and tell him to say abracadabra and then, rip the blanket off with one hand and hide whatever I had under there with the other hand. Uh, and he loves it. So I, I tried to tried to say that it was because of that. But in reality, I remember when I was little watching the Disney channel and like Disney shows back in the day, they would end like five minutes, like on a 25 mark or the 55 mark. And then the last five minutes before the next show started would be like a music video or like a behind the scenes thing or a magic trick. And two of the magic tricks that I've learned that I've known my whole life, I learned from that. And I think I've always kind of held on to it and just never let myself dive deep enough into it to actually learn anything else. And I finally was just like, no, screw it. I'm going to dive in. Go ahead, Earl. I do magic every week. I somehow make my paycheck disappear. Well, that, that's easy, though. That's just called adulting. Well, I'm staying home. Bills, man. Bills. And actually, I, I have done that, too. I, we just, at the first of the year, like I said, I got a little raise, and then we lost a car payment uh, because we finally paid off one of the vehicles. So now we only have the motorcycle that we're paying on. And, um, so we've had a little bit more money, uh, the last couple of weeks than, than we had been having. And that's part of the reason why I was able to do it because playing cards, while not cheap, uh, they do cost money still. And my wife was making fun of me because I spent $50 on a handful, probably like 10 decks. And, uh, and actually Earl, it has, um, finally got me and Chris Wynn talking again. Like, uh, that's good. Because so, he's he's a um, he's a card magic dealer too. Yeah, he, he's a he's a dealer at a casino, and then he he likes 
He likes cards, and I think for Christmas he had posted a bunch of pictures of playing cards, and um, that was about the time that I was getting into it. So I was like, "Oh, what are those?" And I looked, and um, and we've been messaging back and forth. So, so that's been fun. Um, that's been most of my time, honestly. The last month and a half or so is just fiddling around with playing cards while I play with the kids or watch a movie or watch a sports game or something like that. And uh, yeah, it's it's incredibly nerdy, I admit. It's incredibly dad vibes uh, for the most part, but um, but it's fun. And I had men's Bible study today and I performed a trick for one of the guys and uh, it got some awesome reactions. And that's that was uh, that was like there's that's the reason why I decided to do it because because it's fun. Let's see. That's how you put your COVID time to use. You should, you should be learning a new skill, and that's what you've done. You've learned how to you learned how to do some magic, and maybe we'll see you on you know that Penn and Teller show here uh, <laughs> next season. You know, try to fool Penn and Teller, or we'll see you on jail because you hustled some card dealer. <laughs> Earl, you said it yourself. There's six and a half people here in Fort Sumner. I'm not going to hustle any of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jacob, did you happen to have a chance to listen to the last episode that Earl and I did? So I started listening to it, and then I fell asleep. And then the next morning, I guess, usually I set a sleep timer for like 15 minutes Mm -hmm. uh, when I put on a podcast right before bed. And then the next morning I get up, and it basically is where I left off. So I rewind to the last thing I remember, and then I start playing it. But for some reason, I guess I didn't set one, so it played all the way through the episode, or I set it for all the way through the episode on accident. And so I woke up the next morning and went to my podcasts and just started playing the next one and and forgot about it. So I need to go back and get on it. All right. Well, I remember signings. Um, I, I see the title of the, the episode is Coach David. I remember that because it just happened a couple days ago. But uh, other than that, um, I'm going to rely on you guys to refresh my memory and refresh the research that I had done for the last episode, because um, I did fully intend on being on it, but uh, got hung up in Roswell and couldn't make it back in time. So stay away from the aliens, Jacob. They're really They're everywhere. <laughs> They're like, you go to the McDonald's is... The playground is a UFO. Yeah. Yeah, we were down there a couple of years ago. I went to the UFO museum and a couple of other places and uh, stopped at the at the McDonald's down there. And the kids had a lot of fun with it. So Zeke loves it. Every time we go into town, he shows it, sees a statue and he goes, aliens. Every time. <laughs> All right. So last time we talked uh, on the on the podcast, Earl and I went over the, last, the first four new signings of the 2020-2021 offseason. And so, Jake, we just want to pick your brain real quick. Uh, of the four signings, uh, who do you think is going to be the most impactful of those? I mean, obviously, there's Sergio Rivas. We had Ilya Illich. Um, we also had – who else? Sorry. I'm Harry Schwartz. Harry Schwartz and – And Cedro Martinez. And Cedro, yeah. And then who was the fifth one? Because there's been five. Right. There's only four uh, about that day. Yeah. Okay. That fifth one happened after. And I, and I can't remember who the fifth one was. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll we'll talk about him here in just a few minutes. Um. So out of the oh, four that had previously happened, 
Um, I know everybody's most excited about Rivas, uh, being a local kid and, and whatnot. Um, my naivety, my ignorance to local soccer before 2019 might be showing here, but he just hasn't wowed me uh, with Reno. Uh, not to say that he's been bad, but he hasn't been like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we got this guy. He's going to be absolutely incredible for us because uh, I don't even think we really know what position he's going to play um, given the fact that he, he played some defensive mid a lot last year for, for uh, Reno. And that was kind of new to him. So I don't know where he's going to be. Um, I, I think I go back to the first signing that was announced, which is Illich. And, um, and if he can be parks, but better and actually finish, um, that is really what our offense needed last year was somebody to score from up front instead of having to be, instead of having to have Weehan or Moreno both create and finish for each other. Um, we needed somebody up there like parks and, and dev to an extent that can use his head, use, just great positioning, great finishing. I don't know if you guys saw the highlight of Illich um, with Indy where he basically goes up, brings the ball down from the crossbar height with his right or left foot uh, right around the six-yard box, controls it somehow, and then easily finishes past the keeper because the keeper was so stunned that he even got the ball down um, that I don't think the keeper knew what to do after that. So... If he can come in and do stuff like that um, for Moreno and and um, Schwartz and and some of these other guys on the wings and kind of playing a, a setup role for him, if him and Sandoval can find a good groove up there, I'd I'd like to see a couple of them, a couple games where they both play um, up top, which we didn't really get at all last year with Parks and Dev. Um, I think I think he can be the biggest impact that we have especially when you look at the defensive players that we've brought back um, a couple of defensive mids that we've added. Uh, Tanari is still up in the air. I'd still like to bring him back, but I think our defense is, is going to be pretty close to what it was last year, no matter who we add on that side of the ball now. Um, so it's really just some goals that we need. Um, and I think that's both personnel getting a little bit better personnel than we have right now, <clears throat> or that we had at the beginning of the off season when we lost Weehan. But it's also more of a mentality thing that I think um, Lassane might need to to go into of a more attacking role, uh, even if we're up a little up by a goal or two. Like we need to stay on that attack and stay pushing and stay aggressive to try to get you know goal number two, goal number three, goal number four, and see some of these like five nothing games, four nothing games that we saw in the first year uh, to an extent. All right, great insight there. I think it was a lot of good points there. Uh, Earl and I kind of talked about them a lot last time. Who did you guys say, just real quick? I said Illich. Good. Yep, you guys are right there. Uh, yeah, I think, I, don't, I honestly don't remember what I said. 
Ilya is obviously going to be a, a huge signing. Um, and I think, I think they're all going to have their areas of impact. Uh, the, the question is going to be, how do you fit all these guys in uh, and how to, and, and how do you play them at a point to where they all have meaningful minutes and impactful minutes? So tell me, to, I'm gonna, I have my little list here of who's coming back, who's new. Um, I don't think I've missed anything, but just to make sure. So we got Kalen, Dev, Mondo, Suggs, Schmidt, Hamilton, Yearwood, Earl's favorite player, Juan Pablo Guzman, Bruce, Tete, Bajol, Mizell, all coming back. And then we got Illich, Swartz, Rivas, Martinez, and Touche um, as the as the new guys. Uh, I don't think I missed anybody. I have who's gone. Um, I still have people who I don't know. I think uh, I don't think Tanari has signed with anybody. I don't think Najim has signed with anybody. I don't think Bowery has signed with any Bowery has signed with anybody. Um, so if that's where we are, then I kind of like what we have. I mean, you figure Illich kind of slots in for parks uh, and hopefully gives us way more production. Schwartz and Rivas kind of in the uh, Wehan, Mohammed, Estrada roles. Um, Martinez, I think, in the the Tenari, if he doesn't come back, um, and the Muhammad and Williams roles, um, and then the the new guy. If you want to get into the new guy, Seth, you can go ahead and introduce him, and we can kind of talk about how he's going to fit in. Yeah. So just the other day, New Mexico United uh, was on the twelfth. Uh, United announced the signing of Albuquerque native Alex Tushi Touche. I'm not sure how to, exactly how to say that. Hopefully we get a clarification and a Touchy. pronunciation from the Tucci. Touchy. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the, the club's usually pretty good about, about getting us uh, pronunciation guides, so hopefully get one of those before too long. Um, he attended Albuquerque Academy and spent the, and spent three seasons playing with the Soul before moving on to uh, University of Penn. Um, so, yeah, first professional contract for this guy. Uh, he spent three seasons at, uh, at Penn. All three seasons he was uh, – nominate or elected to the all Ivy league squads in each of those years. And he, let's see, he started 43 of 44 matches, uh, recorded 14 clean sheets, eight goals, and was the, uh, Ivy league defensive player of the year last year. Uh, six, four, I think he's, I think it's, uh, listed at one, uh, he's listed at 200. Uh, six three two hundred according to the the team's page. Now I'm super I, I'm super excited about this signing. Um, we were talking about you know bringing in defenders. Uh, doing, and this is something that we definitely needed. I mean, this kid is uh, he, he looks absolutely incredible. He's got height, he's got size, and I think this is a tremendous signing for us. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, the fact that you add someone else to be back. Um, just to beef up just in case something happens again um, is really, really smart thinking. And the fact that he can also score is, and I'm going to bring up the same term as I did two weeks ago. It's Troy selling his soul to the devil. I'm still wondering what the price is. What? (laughs) I missed that last week. 
uh, yeah, do explain it. That was Earl's burning question from the last episode with the signings that we've brought in. Looking at you know Isidro, Ilya, Sergio, Harry, and now Alex. I mean, has has Troy sold his soul to the devil? And Troy uh, Earl asked me what the what the price was. I said, well, it's more than worth the, more than a fill worth of gold. So, okay, well, I'll have to go back and listen to that because Earl says some weird stuff. In case y'all haven't noticed out there, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll need to figure. I think I can decipher him most of the time. So I'll go back and look. Um, so I did look up the video for when they announced um, Alex coming um, that has highlights from, from his year or from, from Penn. Uh, and I believe they say it's touche, just touche. Touche. Okay. So, so I think we have a, I, I, of course, we know that we as New Mexico United fans know that announcers can very easily mispronounce names. Um, so maybe it's not that, but I have a feeling that they would not use uh, the wrong name in the highlight clip for announcing him. So um, you never know. I love the signing. Um, it's It's not necessarily a position that we went into the off season um, lacking since we brought back so many of our, our defensive players, but we needed somebody else back there um, for depth purposes, mainly like last year we saw everybody, but Kalen uh, missed time, like you guys said. So I think that if he can come in and give us, um, you know, 20, 30 solid minutes at the end of some of these games, maybe start a couple if somebody gets hurt, maybe provide a, a couple goals on set pieces uh, because we did kind of lack that um, last year. And and I think with Martinez coming in to deliver them and Alex and Kalen and um, Dev and Illich uh, on the receiving end, that, that finally gives us something that we've been lacking for the two years, and that's some size. Um and and some targets for us to actually aim for on these set pieces. So, so I love that signing. Um, if it was something that we really needed, I would have gone with him as my most important signing that we've done so far. But um, he is he has more of a depth piece. He's going to be a rookie. Um, our track record with rookies has been mixed. Um, as a, Tete was really the only one that I feel Troy has trusted with real minutes in his rookie season. Uh, and that would have been 2019, uh, not 2020. Uh, Tete was very good and played a lot of minutes that year. But if you look at our other rookies from that year with uh, Akamatsu, Soler, um, I'm blanking on a couple others, but they nobody else really played a whole lot of minutes for him even though I felt I felt like Tony was a much better player than someone like Juan Pablo Guzman. Um, Is it anyone? Let's calm down just a hair, Earl. I, <laughs> I know I know that you have a very strong sports hate for him, but uh, he's not all bad. Uh, I don't I don't think he would get as far as he has in this league by being all bad. But 
I, I felt like there's better options. So, so I don't know if Troy does maybe just doesn't trust the rookies enough. Um, and going into a year like this, where it definitely seems like they want to get farther than they have before and actually really, really, really contend for a title. Um, if some of those games down the stretch get really important, um, if he'll go with what he trusts more than with what, uh, is more of an unknown quantity in a rookie like Alex. So uh, my expectations for him are not going to be way up here. Um, so anything that we do get from him, I will consider like the cherry on top. Um, but I do think he could be a very big time player for us in the future. If Troy doesn't decide to use him too much this year. See, and I hope that he gets valuable minutes. I really do. I obviously he has some fan base here, being New Mexico bred. Um, I just, I really hope that he doesn't turn into a a Sammy Sergi part two, to where he doesn't play at all. Which we found out what happened to Sammy at the end of the season. Yeah, but I hope that it doesn't come down to. Well, why didn't he play at all all season? What happened? What happened? And then finally, we're like, oh, well, he had an injury. Oh, okay. If that's the case, then be transparent about it. Hey, by the way, injury report. And I think Sammy was was a little bit different for me because Sammy played a position that we desperately needed more production out of. Um, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure Dev only scored two or three goals last year. Um. And we talked about him in several games being like non-existent. Um, and, and then in, in several other games, he was solid with the holdup play and, and was a decent big body up there. But like you look at the game that Romeo Parks had, I think it was the first time we played Salt Lake where or Monarchs where he had five or six chances to score and missed. Um, we didn't have anybody to turn to uh, that we could even hope to provide anything because Sammy wasn't playing. And now we look at it and see, see that Sammy was hurt after the fact, um, or had a condition after the fact, but we didn't know that at the time. Um, with Alex, it's a position of, of strength for us because I don't, I, I see Raiden being very much like he was last year and not missing a minute back there. And then if you have a healthy Schmidt and a healthy Tete and a healthy Sam, unless they plan on moving Sam up to replace a Muhammad uh, and a Tanari and play him as a more defensive mid, which we saw uh, quite a bit in 2019, um, you know, we've got, you've got one of the center back roles nailed down. You've got two really qualified guys that I absolutely love and Schmidt and Tete to back up the other spot or to, to rotate on the other spot. And then it also depends on the formation that we play. Cause if we play more of that three, four, whatever, whatever, uh, where you only have three in the back, um, you know, is, who's going to fit there? How does Alex fit in there? It just, it, it's, it's stuff that my, 
soccer knowledge doesn't cover right now. So I think he could come in and not see a lot of minutes because we have depth there if nobody gets hurt. And I'm not going to be upset at that as long as we're still keeping clean sheets and doing stuff like that. So it's it's not the Sammy Sergi situation to me when we needed Sammy to perform. And Sammy had that awesome preseason where he was scoring goals in bunches um, and then just didn't show up in the regular season, come to find out because of something else. But I don't think no matter what happens with Alex, I won't look at him in the same light as I was looking at the situation with Sammy before we found out about the condition. See, but what also excites me too is we can play Alex in the back. Say we go up three goals against Phoenix. Just a, just a wishful thinking. Um, say we're up three goals on Phoenix. We could put Alex in there with Kalen or Suggs. That way they he can learn. As a rookie, he has great chance to learn and grow from being up three three nil and holding a lead or fighting yeah, back that, and making the win. I'm fine with that. What has to happen for that to come to fruition though, is we have to be up by three goals. So that's why Illich and, and Rivas, if he's more of an offensive minded player this year and Schwartz come to mind for me as being signings that I like better, or I think will be more important because I would love for Alex to get a half of a game where we're up three goals. Um, Cause we didn't, I think we had a three goal lead once last year and, or we won by a margin of three goals or more once last year, if I'm not mistaken. And that was Oklahoma city. And I think with the talent that we had last year and the talent that we have this year after, or so far, if that's the case, if we only have one game where we win by more than three goals, that worries me because we should be winning goals. We should be winning games four nil five one on occasion, at least with the offense that we have or had last year. With Alex being brought in, do you think there's a chance that he competes for a starting position? And if so, whose spot do you think he, he usurps? Go ahead, Earl. I mean, I would love if Alex could play kind of midfield, and we all know where this one's heading. <laughs> Focus on the defense. Focus on the back line, Earl, because I think that's where he's going to be. Okay, so back line, it depends. I, I can't see him competing for a starting spot. I do see him having a strong rotational spot to where he will be that backup for either Kalen or he'll be the backup for the starter between Schmidt and Tete. Seeing as I don't know the kid, uh, we don't have a lot of tape on him. He's coming straight from college. Um, I don't know if he can compete or not, but I think it's really going to come down to health on if he competes right away. Because I think if Schmidt and Tete are back to their 2019 fully healthy selves, um, then I don't think he, I don't think he has a chance to start without injuries to one of those two players, uh, or both of them, because Ryden has one of the spots locked down, guaranteed. He's not. He, no matter how good this guy is, he's not going to come in and pass Ryden, because Ryden has built up a lot of trust. 
Um, so short answer without injuries. No, he does not compete for a starting spot on the back line. Now, are you, are you saying that on the belief that we're going to, we're going to continue to play the three, five, two, or do you think that even if we changed formations into more of a four, four, two or something along those lines with, with four at the back, do you think in that case he could potentially start? Still no. Um, I I kind of go back and forth on what we're going to be playing, but um, I I do think that uh, the four four two is probably going to be more of an option when we're playing lesser opponents, because um, we'll have uh, Suggs and maybe Najim if he comes back, um, Yearwood if he doesn't, uh, Yearwood. I think Yearwood's one of our better players anyways. So we'll have Suggs and Yearwood on the wings or on those on the left and right center back or whatever you want to call them. Wing back. There we go. That's the word I was looking for, I think. Um, and they'll be bombing forward and we'll have one of the Alex, Justin, Rashid pairing alongside right and kind of as our last line of defense back there. Um, and even then, I don't, Unless he plays more of a of a left back uh, opposite Suggs or just or right back, sorry, opposite Suggs, um, I don't see a spot really for the taking there. And even then, you have Austin and possibly Najim if he comes back uh, that he would have to beat out on that side. And I and those are tall tasks. I, our defense last year was so good, um, even with the injuries that unless he comes in and just wows everybody, um, I don't see how he even sniffs starting um, unless it's later in the year and guys just aren't performing. Because if we're being honest, or if I'm being honest with myself, um, Schmidt, the second half of 2019, did not look the same guy. Um, I don't know if he was dealing with an injury. Um, I don't know if it was the effect of losing his father and his mother being um, in the hospital for so long after the incident that happened with them. Um, I don't know what it was, but he did not look the same. Uh, and in the one game that we had sample size from 2020, uh, he's the one that gave up the penalty with a clumsy run-in challenge thing um, against Austin back on March 7th. So he he could be on the decline. Um Tete was battling injuries and obviously um, didn't get near the the playing time that I thought he would last year. So, so I guess if they don't return to form, then yeah. Uh, but I, I'm going to stick with with them returning to form at least a little bit and um, holding off the young guy for at least the beginning of the year. So if we go with the three five, whatever the heck it is. Three five two, I guess, is what the math would be. Um, I don't see Alex even seeing the field. I don't see him touching any bladed grass on the field. Only because you'll have Kalen, you'll have Schmidt, you'll have Tete, you'll have Austin, you'll have Suggs. And like Jacob said, if Alex were to come in and just blow everyone away, maybe. But I still don't see it happening because you'll have to beat out four other guys to get one of those spots. Um, if we go with the four, 
I mean, obviously there's a possibility because that's more people already on the field, on the back line. That means you have maybe two or three people to substitute. Um, but even then, I don't see I don't see Alex pushing for a starting spot only because the caliber of backups, if you want to say, because if Schmidt is starting, then Tete is your backup. Tete is a pretty good backup. If Tete is starting, then you have Schmidt, who's a pretty good freaking backup. I mean, if you get Najim back or Tanari, I mean, they can always fall back too. I mean, you have a tall task to try to get to even a backup position. Unless someone breaks his foot. Knock on wood. Yeah, we certainly don't want to grab the injury bug this year. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough. We we have a very solid defensive core already. I think, again, I think Alex is a tremendous signing. I think he gives us depth. I think he gives us size. Um, going by what's listed on the club's website, he will be the tallest defender we have, uh, in most cases by a couple inches. Um, and I think that, I mean, you've got to have some sort of skill. You've got to be pretty good to, you know, be to, to be made all conference three years in a, row, in a row and then get defensive player of the year honors uh, in your season, senior season. So I think that he's been, yeah, it's, like you guys said, it's going to be tough, but I, I think depending on the formation, he may get some starts. Um, also, I think if uh, Open Cup comes back in 2020, uh, there may be some opportunities there as well. Maybe if we do go with four at the back this year, we do see him get a couple spot starts uh, in rotation of somebody, give them, uh, especially on like short weeks or something, if that happens. We don't know what the schedule is going to be like yet. So I think there's opportunities there, but I don't think he's going to be a every match starter this season. Depending on what the schedule looks like and, and how stacked it is, and like you said with Open Cup, uh, I I definitely see lanes there where he can where he can get some starts uh, for resting people. Um, maybe depending on how long the season is, there's going to be an injury, whether it's a one week or two week injury or a little ding or a knock. Where you know we're sorry, Ron, but you know we're going to play RGV the next week, and and Schmidt's kind of dealing with something, and and Tete's played the last two matches, and. Um, I I could see him giving him giving him the start there. So so starting isn't another possibility. But when I when I think of a starter, I think of come playoff time, everybody's healthy, our best eleven. I don't see him in there. Same with at the beginning of the year when everybody should be healthy for the most part. Um, trotting out our best eleven for the opening week. I don't think he's in there. All right. Lots of fair points there. Uh, I think we're all kind of on the same page. So it'll be interesting to see. We've got five new signings so far. Who knows if there's going to be more to come, at least for the first team. Uh, There was another two more signings, so to speak, that were announced. Uh, The second one was, of course, uh, David Estrada has signed on to the club to join the Somos Unidos Foundation as a high-performance program scout and coach, and as well as be a community relations manager. Uh, guys, we kind of called this a few months ago when we, after we found about found out about David retiring. Uh, we questioned whether or not he would be sticking around in sort of a, a coaching role. We knew he was going to stay and do some things within the community. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we willed this into existence. I don't know. 
What do you guys think about David sticking around um, in this new role of his? I love both these new roles he's in. I mean, David was an incredible player on the on the field. Uh, he was always reliable, always going to it, MLS experience, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about this over and over again. And taking him off the pitch, he's a four-time humanitarian of the year. And now he's leading the state's community relations. I mean... You couldn't have picked a better guy to do that. You watch him on, you watch the club on Facebook, and it's David driving to France. It's David going to Lordsburg and wherever the heck. Pretty much, where on earth is David Estrada this week? Yeah, I we definitely kind of called uh, a coaching job for him uh, in some way, shape, or form earlier. I look at it and and say that that him staying here uh, in that role, not playing here speaks to what New Mexico United has built and to New Mexico as a state. Um, This is a guy that had no New Mexico ties when he signed in 2019. Um, He's from, he was born in Mexico, raised in California, went to UCLA, played in Seattle for the Sounders and Tacoma Defiance slash Seattle Sounders 2, whatever you want to call them. Um, and and really had a lot there. Uh, seemed to have a lot of roots there. I think I I looked it up a little while ago. He played basically for four years with Sounders, um, for a year with Sounders too. Had a few other stints in there somewhere else. But Seattle was his main place outside of college that he had been. And then he comes to New Mexico and spends 20, 2019 and 2020 um, and now has taken a job where he is his his main job now is to give back to this community that he's only really been a part of for two years. And that to me speaks more to what New Mexico United has created and this community um and this state has has done to take a guy of David Estrada's caliber, not a player, not a coach of David Estrada's caliber, but a guy, a man of his caliber and have him want to stay here and do the amazing things that he does and has done his whole career and his whole life. And he wants to do them here. Um, and that just epitomizes Somos Unidos to me. I look at what he's done and what he's going to do here. Um, and I get excited. I get excited that, that we could draw somebody of that caliber to New Mexico, keep him in New Mexico, keep him in New Mexico after he retires and have him want to give back to a community that he's only been a part of for such a short amount of time. Um, I don't know if you guys had thought about it that way or, or not, but that's what it speaks out to me. He's going to be a great, he's going to be great in that role. I think we know that. I mean, this was the humanitarian of the year in the MLS uh, years ago. So, the dude is highest highest caliber human being that you can know. Um, so he's going to succeed in, in all of these things that he does uh, for the club. So instead of looking at it from that point of view, because I kind of know what's going to happen there, I just like to look at it from, look, this is something that we created, not, not we as in New Mexico United, but we as in the fans 
um, as well as the organization have created uh, this place, this beautiful place for people to want to come and want to give back and want to be a part of, whether it's Kalen coming in, whether it's Amando coming in, whether it's David coming in um, and staying. It, it, it ama- it's amazing to me, and it it is just everything that excites me about New Mexico United and the state and everything that they're doing. Anytime you have a person you know, of David's character wanting to stick around and continue to help grow not only the program within the club, but also grow programs within the community, it's always going to be a benefit uh, to everyone that's involved in that, whether you're a a player coming into the, into the HPP, you're someone that works in community outreach, whether you're someone who is directly impacted by the reach of the foundation of the Somos Unidos Foundation, David is just going to be, a, he's going to be an ambassador for this program, an ambassador for the, for the club and an ambassador for the state. And the, some of the things that the state of New Mexico can do really well. And I'm just super excited that David's going to be sticking around and I can't wait to see what happens uh, over the next couple of seasons. Seth, do you want to feel old with me? Yes. I need you to, I need you to feel old with me here. So we look at David as like this older statesman and this, this guy that's been around forever and um, just this, like a very classy and, and older gentleman. He's 32. Right? He's younger than me. Yeah. He was born in February of 88. He's less than a year older than me. Can I ask what day in February? Uh, Fourth. Sorry. February 4th. 33 in about three weeks. Yes. And I'll be 32 in three and a half weeks or five, six. Don't make me do math, Earl. What is your birthday? March 24th. I saw that and was just like, wow. Like, I'm over here thinking this guy's ancient and he's barely older than me and he's younger than you. (laughs) And then Earl's a baby. I mean, he's only like four years, five years older than me. Yeah, that surprised me. I just wanted to throw that out there. God, Seth really is old. (laughs) Yes, yes, and I had a birthday while we were on our, on our holiday hiatus. So yes, you did. Yeah, got, got a little bit older there. So um, seeing guys retired at thirty two kind of bums me out a little bit, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it it is what it is. I mean, these well, guys. He didn't, he didn't retire. He just retired from playing. That is true. He's yeah. Still going to work. He's just not going to run on a soccer pitch. Well, actually, <laughs> as a coach, he probably will, but he won't. He won't be a player. That's the only thing. You're playing high, high quality for 90 straight minutes. He's probably going to be in better shape now than he was when he was playing. <laughs> well, uh, getting away from the age of retirement here, let's go back to the, on the other side. Uh, yesterday, New Mexico United announced that uh, they announced the first signing of the New Mexico United Academy. Now, we've talked about this. We've known this was coming. We've known that the that United was going to be a part of the USL Academy program beginning, uh, hopefully, in the fall. Uh, obviously, COVID and everything permitting. 
and they're going to be part of the Southwestern Division. There was a, a, a small release of information from the club about that the other day. Uh, I think it's over on Twitter. It's not on the website, so I don't have all the details, but I do know that they will be participating, I believe, the fall of 2021 in the Southwest Division of the USL Academy. And big congratulations to, Albu- I believe, Albuquerque native and Valley High School uh, attendee, uh, Josh Maros, uh, first academy player. He's a midfielder. Uh, he's attended both Val- attended Valley High School and went through the Rio Rapids Academy. Chris Hurst, who, of course, you guys can hear uh, on the call every so often, or I believe every week, um, over on 1017, the team, was one of his coaches. And this is this is exciting, you know. The future of New Mexico United is here. Now, we don't know de- all the details regarding uh, academy player contracts, things like that. If it's going to work like a homegrown player type deal that the MLS has, which is absolutely stupid, if you ask me. I mean, this is exciting. Eighteen-year-old kid, uh, local local kid, they're going to be playing for the club on full scholarship. That means. Um, Registration, travel equipment, all coaching costs are covered. Uh, and it says here, that no player signed for the club will have to pay a single cent to compete in the academy. Uh, scholarships are made possible through the Somos Unidos Foundation and the, gener- and the generosity of community partners and individuals. Now, before we talk about Josh himself, we don't have to know too much about him, but also in this statement from the club, there are two links that I don't know if you guys saw, but there is a link to uh, a Google form that if you're interested in spot being a sponsor of the academy or in any any individual player you can do that you can fill out an interest form the club will get back to you there there's also a link down here that says if your child is interested in trying out for the new mexico united academy now part of the statement that came out the other day said you know once they're able to train in groups of 15 or more then they will basically have like almost open tryouts basically for anyone that wants to attend the academy and kids select obviously will be put on scholarship and they'll be able to go through that uh, for free. So there's a lot of, a lot of interesting things here. So first of all, do you guys know any more about Josh than I do or than what came out in this release? No. So everything that you said, other than the real rapids part, I didn't know anything about the kid. Yeah, basically I, uh, I I do not follow high school soccer in Albuquerque or New Mexico at all. For that <laughs> Might be a little weird showing up at a high school soccer game as a you know, 36-year-old guy, 32-year-old guy uh, to watch some kids play soccer, unless your kid is there, obviously. But uh, the infographic that the club put out, uh, Josh is 18 years old, attended Valley, obviously. He won the State Cup in 2018 with the Rio Rapids, and he's a midfielder which is, uh, again, a position that we felt was in need this year. Now, obviously, Josh isn't going to step into the first team uh, for at least a season or two, I would think. Um, guy's a Messi fan, Barca fan, so, you know, uh, doesn't really say a whole lot about his play on the pitch, but um, to me, it's just hype about the academy. The fact that we're bringing younger players, especially local players, into the academy, into the USL system, and giving them opportunities to create a career within soccer, within professional soccer. I think this is a huge deal. The big thing about the academy contracts is it doesn't affect your college status. Like, say, Josh wants to go to UNM if UNM were to get a men's program back and wants to play soccer at UNM. 
the fact that he has already played some won't affect his college eligibility to play four years for college. So I, I, I believe that the academy, it's basically you get the scholarship and that's basically, or you you get to play for free. That's as far as I, I can tell, that's all the monetary benefits that they have um, is that they don't have to pay for travel or anything like that. My question though is so on the before they announced before they announced any players for the academy they put out the little thing about everything you need to know about um, New Mexico United's academy um, and then the little pyramid on the bottom I don't know if you saw uh, you know at the top of the pyramid you obviously have first team underneath that you have the U23s which is semi pro um, competing in USL League Two basically the Albuquerque Soul replacement. Then underneath that, you have the academy, and it says 14 to 19-year-olds. Um, now, I'm pretty sure I have this right, but doesn't Gabe uh, Legendary from 2019 uh, HPP program, um, he was in between that 14 to 19-year-olds uh, category. So I wonder what happened to him and if he's going to be part of the academy or or if he has moved on to something else. Because I, I would love to see him... I mean, we saw him come in and play against Cardiff. Um, and granted, he was tiny compared to the Cardiff guys. But then again, almost all of our team was tiny compared to them. Um, but he seemed to hold his own pretty good there. So um, I'm curious to see what happened there. Because um, it does say that the HPP, um, which is underneath the academy level of the pyramid, is for 10 to 15-year-olds. I do know that Gabe does have a contract with the New Mexico Runners, and so does his brother. Gotcha. That being said, we have talked to Coach Steve, and Steve has said personally that if a player wants to try out for United, he will be the first person on the phone calling Troy, calling Peter to say, hey, look, check this kid out. Right. Okay. I want to see what happens there because I feel like Gabe was a player that that I was excited to see kind of come up through the ranks and possibly play for the first team. Um, and that's not to say that I'm not excited about Josh, but um, I, I would, I was just curious as to what happened with Gabe. So um, kind of like Earl said, I don't know much about this kid um, really at all, uh, other than what the little, the little diagram uh, said of his position and favorite players and stuff like that. Um, so because I don't know anything else about him, I'm not going to come over here and, and say he's the next great thing or that he's going to be terrible. But um, just when with the whole Academy signing, with the whole Academy announcement and everything like that, it just got me wondering about, about Gabe um, and to see what was going to happen there. So I hope, man, I really, really hope that things can get back to to some semblance of normal and we can see some of the Academy players actually playing in the fall. And obviously I want fans in the stands for, for the first team and the high performance program actually getting ramped back up and getting young kids out there and doing what they love. So we repeat ourselves so much on here because it's just New Mexico United seems to be doing everything right. Um, and I, I love the signing. I love the Academy. I love the HPP. I love the U23s. Uh, I love the whole pyramid that New Mexico United and several other USL clubs are creating. 
Um, and I think it's going to lead to an exciting, uh, an exciting league in the USL championship when you have players coming up, um, with their clubs and, and contributing at a higher level as they get older. I think part of the thing with Gabe and the HPP is that due to obviously COVID, you know, we, we try, we tried to not talk about it every, every show, but I think with COVID and stuff, like maybe HPP wasn't able to take place as much as we had hoped. And then since they're not actually competing in any sort of like tournaments or anything, then there's really not a lot of information. Like it seems to me like it's more just like almost an academy type deal where there's, they're coming in, they're working with the players, working with the coaches, gaining the skills and experience necessary to possibly step up to the academy level in, in Gabe's, in Gabe's case, you know, so maybe we see something soon about Gabe or Anna. I don't, you know, uh, the two, the two players that we know about that were in the HPP. Um, but yeah, as the year goes on, hopefully we see more. And then once the fall comes around and we'll see the Academy club in action. All right. So I think that about does it for the United news. I didn't really see anything else come out from the club. Uh, there are two signings, fairly big signings that uh, that happened in the past few days or week around the USL. Now we kind of talked about one of them in our in our group text the other day. Former Phoenix Rising Ford uh, Junior Flemings has signed with Birmingham Legion FC. Uh, if you haven't read the article over on uslchampionship.com, go check it out. Uh, we talked about this in our group text, and it, it really felt like Birmingham did their due diligence before they signed him. Um, how big of an impact do you think this is not only for Birmingham in terms of bringing in a player of Flemings caliber, but also how big of a deal is this for him that someone you know stuck their neck out and was willing to sign him and give him another opportunity? So it's it's big for both of them. I mean, obviously, it's big publicity for Birmingham to sign a controversial player such as Flemings. Um, hopefully that they have hope being that they have the coaching structure in place to be able to handle this kind of controversial player. Do I think Flemings is a really good player? Yeah, he really is. Am I shocked to see him get a second chance in the USL? Absolutely. I did not expect to see him ever step foot on an American soccer field. Again, I expected him to take off to overseas somewheres, probably go play in Mexico somewheres, but I did not expect to see him in America still. Am I happy that he is still in America? Yes, because that boosts the American soccer brand whether it's USL, MLS, whatever other soccer league is out there, backyard soccer, street soccer, whatever the heck you want to call it, um, it boosts the American brand that you have that kind of goal scorer, that kind of player, that kind of caliber player in your pocket, I would say, for lack of words. Um, I'm hoping with Fleming signing on with another club, it is a – lesson learned that he screwed up and I know we've said it before that he pretty much was a piece of junk back then um I'm willing to retract on that and hope that he learned his lesson I mean he does still have two games this is play suspended so 
two games to sit out, maybe he'll learn more on those two games. Yeah, I think the pushback that Birmingham might get from their fans, um, I haven't actually looked at um, at any of their supporters groups to kind of see how, how they took the signing. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's worth it um, because one, you're giving somebody a second chance to grow, to be better. Um, I, I text you guys in the group chat when we talked about it after I read the article that that it really did seem like Birmingham did a lot of reaching out and double checking and making sure that everybody um, that was involved in the incident um, back with San Diego Loyal and everybody that's played with him and stuff like that kind of spoke to his his character and how he handled it after the fact and stuff like that. So I feel like they did their research there. Um, and, and I liked the statement that they put out with it. I liked that they talked to Colin Martin from San Diego Loyal, who was the player that the slur was directed at. And he said, you know, he didn't want Fleming's career to be over. Um, he just wanted him to learn from it and move on and stuff. So I think that the cancel culture that kind of exists in our society today uh, can be a little over the top. And I think, I think Fleming's got exactly what he should have gotten as far as the suspension is concerned, um, as far as not resigning with Phoenix and losing the chance to compete with uh, some of the, one of the best teams in the USL um, in history, let alone, or at least in the last several years. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's going to have to try to build up his reputation somewhere else. I didn't think it was going to be in the USL. Um, I, I too thought it would be somewhere in another country, but um, if he can come back, if he can, show that he has grown as a player or as a person um, and not have any more incidences uh, like he had last year and and everybody that's around him says that he's a, a, a good dude and everything, then, then I think that it is a good thing for not only the USL, but obviously Birmingham and obviously Junior uh, himself. Um, so for his sake and for kind of the USL's sake and Birmingham's sake, I hope that he has a a change mentality and, and doesn't uh, have any more incidences that popped up. Cause I'm still not sure, you know, we'll, we'll never know exactly what happened. Uh, and I think that's the case with just about all these things that happen. Um, like we'll never know exactly what was said, what was said before, what was said after, what was said during anything like that. Like it, it comes to mind with Muhammad, uh, Salil Muhammad uh, in 2019 uh, when he got a, a red, a straight red for we still don't know. <laughs> and, and it makes me wonder what was said there. And if, if, you know, maybe what was said there comes out, then maybe we're feeling the same way about him and we're feeling about junior, but because it wasn't as public and it wasn't Phoenix and it wasn't Landon Donovan and it wasn't Rich, whatever the hell his name is. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Birmingham. Uh, I really am hoping that it all works out uh, and that he has grown from this. Um, I think that's where I'm going to stop. So here's here's what bothers me. Um, a couple weeks ago, 
in our group text, I showed you guys how much I hated Phoenix fans. And it came about that, yes, I did get my ass handed to me by some Phoenix fan that I still don't like. Regardless of whether I was right or wrong or whatever his name was. <laughs> Well, I want to know is looking at Birmingham's Twitter Twitter handle and the the whole news that they put out about Junior Fleming signing. All the comments are are bad. There's not really a good comment. Um, but there is one specific one from Phoenix Rising Nation, which if no one knows, that is Phoenix Rising's nine hundred supporter group, I believe. Um, maybe 900 first. Either way, they pop up like their stadium. They're all worthless. Their new stadium looks like shit still. So what Phoenix Rising Nation put is, that's all I've seen. Pretty shitty apology, if you ask me. And for what it's worth, he never addressed the fact that he lied about the incident, which set off a series of events that put his entire club in jeopardy. Glad he's at least out of Phoenix. My problem is, would they still be saying that had Phoenix signed him again. Yeah. And there's no way to know. And there's no way to know what was said between him and Colin Martin. There's no, there's no way to know what was said between um, him and his teammates or him and anything. Like we talk about the USL and their lack of transparency with everything um, with like Sammy Sergei and his, his condition. We had no idea what was going on there. Um, and I don't think that's just a New Mexico United thing. I think that's just kind of everywhere. You know, we don't know if they sign multi-year deals half the time. We don't know what they signed for. We don't know anything, really, uh, when it comes to the USL kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. So so I'm not going to come out here and smash the guy for not apologizing, for lying, for doing whatever, when the only thing that I see proof-wise is coming from fans aside from when it first happened, Donovan's initial reaction, Chance's initial reaction, um, and then Colin's um, statement that he put out. Um, So I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame the guy for not putting out a statement and not um, making it a big public deal. When far as I can know, he went to Colin and they talked and settled it like men. And settle it how it's supposed to be settled, uh, not in this big public square. So, in case you guys haven't noticed, cancel culture can just kind of kiss my ass. Um, and I'm not going to judge a dude's heart because I there's no way for me to know a dude's heart. So, he very well could still be a piece of shit. I don't know. But it's not my job, and there's no way for me to know what his heart is like. So, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to give him, I'm glad that he got a second chance and I hope him and Birmingham work out and I hope that he really did change. And if it comes out that he didn't really change, then he deserves to be let go right away. Um, But I don't think anybody knows that. And I'm going to trust that Birmingham has done their research enough to know um, and at least feel comfortable with it and go from there. Yeah. I, I echo the same thing you just said. Um, So on this Twitter page, um, from, so it's on Birmingham Legion's Twitter page still. It is the very comment or the statement from Flemings. Um, and I quote, I am very sorry about the incident with Colin Martin, said Flemings. 
I understand the impact words may have, and I will work hard to improve my on-field my on-field demeanor, even in the heat of battle. I'm grateful for this opportunity as I believe Birmingham is a great place for me to grow both on and off the field. I'm excited to play for Coach Sone, and I apologize if I screwed up that name, and be a part of Legion FC's strong locker room culture. So I feel that he did learn his lesson. Um, I am a strong, strong believer in second chances. I've been given second chances. I've been given third chances and time and time again, another chance. Um, like I said, I'm willing to give Junior Flemings a second chance. If this happens again, then yeah, you can kiss American soccer goodbye. You can go play for some other controversial club that Luis Suarez plays on and never see American soil again. Um, but I, like I said, I'm willing to give him the benefit, benefit of the doubt that he is taking the right steps to make himself that much better. All right. Really great points there, guys. Thank you both for chiming in on that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Birmingham and Flemings this season. The last bit of news that I had, and I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but Jerome Kiesewetter, our old punchable face, is back in the USL, back in the Western Conference. He has signed a deal with uh, FC Tulsa. And yeah, it's an interesting article to read. Apparently, they told FC Tulsa tried to reach out and sign him previously on a loan deal uh, prior to the postseason uh, in 2020. That didn't happen, obviously, and now he's joined them on a free transfer. Uh, are we excited, or do we really just not care about Jerome Kiesewetter? I know uh, we're not huge fans of his by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, do you think this changes the the landscape in the Western Conference a little bit? No. <laughs> um, I, I, Kiesewetter was never one of the ones that I couldn't stand for for El Paso, so... Um, I was happy when he, when he left, uh, simply because he was a good player. Um, so I'm more looking at it as a big picture thing for the USL, uh, and to have somebody of his quality, uh, granted he didn't do anything when he went to Miami, um, last year, but to just have somebody with that kind of record and, and that kind of scoring prowess, uh, back on a USL pitch, uh, is exciting to me. Um, whether it's for Tulsa or Tampa Bay or us or Phoenix or whatever, um, I don't really care because in order for New Mexico United to succeed, the league has to succeed as well. So, um, seeing him on a pitch for a USL club excites me. Um, I I don't think he's a player that swings, um, my feelings about one team one way or another. Now FC Tulsa was in the playoff race last year um, over there in group D with San Antonio and Austin. Um, in fact, they made the playoffs. Did they not? Yeah, I think they did. I'm pretty sure they did. I'm pretty sure they played El Paso in round one. Cause it wasn't Austin. Yes, you are correct. So, so it takes a playoff team from last year and, um, and gives them, uh, a top guy up front. So I, I, I'm not like shaking in my boots facing Tulsa now uh, still, but they're going to be a tough out, but I think they were going to be a tough out regardless of him being there or not. So um, 
I I just like talent coming to our league, and and hopefully leading to the league becoming bigger and better and and succeeding and having United succeed and and um and I think that's just overall good for American soccer. So just point, just one point I have to make about that is Jerome Kisawater is about as useful as tits on a boar. No, and I'll leave it at that. All right. I think that's going to do it for our show this week. Uh, before we get out of here and Jacob closes out, I do have one final question, Jacob. Yes. Just for you. Who's going to win Friday? Gladbach or Dortmund? I have no idea. Dortmund's playing like a freaking roller coaster. Um, they lost today. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, they lost to a pretty good club today, so I'm not going to like knock them too, too hard, but um, they're young. They're very young. Uh, they have a, a shitload of talent, but they're still very young. So uh, it kind of depends on which Dortmund team shows up. I think Dortmund will end up winning. Um, but to be completely honest, I'm not not focused on a, on a Dortmund game on Friday when there's... Um, a team that I have followed my whole life playing for a chance to go to the Super Bowl on Sunday. So <laughs> <laughs> damn it, Tom Brady. Love him or hate him, man. The dude just and actually it wasn't even him on Sunday. It was it was the fact that Drew Brees couldn't hit the ocean if he fell out of a boat. I cried a little bit on on that game. Not because Drew Brees uh, had his ass handed to him. Um, I cried when Drew Brees walked off the field, stopped at the at the tunnel, and took one last look at the field. Bald like a baby for no apparent reason. Yeah, I don't I don't know where to go with that, Earl, because because I, I I did not cry. Because you're too busy celebrating. No, I really wasn't. I mean, I I honestly went into that game fully expecting to win. Uh, just because you don't, Tom Brady doesn't, Tom Brady doesn't lose to a team twice in a season, let alone three times. So, um, I just did not think that we were going to lose that game. So I wasn't super celebrating. I was more like, okay, we got, we took care of business. Now it's on to green Bay. Um, I, I love Drew Brees. I, I think he's a great guy. Uh, I love what he did for the city of New Orleans coming there. And, um, winning a Super Bowl after Katrina and everything like that. Um, I don't cry when sports careers are over. Uh, it's kind of the cycle of life. It's like crying because my postman retires. I, I don't, I don't quite understand that. So, um, it was emotional, but it wasn't anywhere near tearing up. So, no, I, I'm all in here. So here's my, here's my thought on Tom Brady. I don't like the guy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I don't like Tom Brady. Um, but if Tom Brady and the sucking years wind up in the Super Bowl and somehow they wind up beating the Buffalo Bills to win it, Tom Brady was the system. It wasn't Bill Belichick. It wasn't Josh McDaniels. It was Tom Brady. Can we, can you not say that now though? Belichick has been terrible at drafting. For the past ten years, basically, 
they have they had absolutely no system there to replace Brady. Cam Newton was atrocious, so that did not help. But I I, I think you can. Well, I, I take it back. I don't think you can say it was all Brady. Um, I, I think Belichick was is was and is a hell of a coach, and um, they did a lot of good things in New England as far as schemes and talent wise. They they had they had a good thing going for a while, but the last the last two Super Bowls that they won were way more on Brady than Belichick. Uh, and I think that was glaringly obvious to begin with. And this kind of, this season has just kind of been like, yeah, of course it was Brady the last several years. Um, and it'll probably continue to be Brady. Cause if you look at Tampa Bay, they have the same team this year that they had last year, except for instead of having a quarterback throw 33 touchdowns and 30 interceptions and fumble 11 times, they had Tom freaking Brady. So I don't even think he has to. I don't even think he has to win the Super Bowl. I don't even think he has to win this weekend. I think it's already proven that that it was Brady the last several years. Yeah, I mean, they did win what four games last season. To be completely honest, I have erased last season's memory out of my mind. Um, I was fan, so I can mirror that statement. Because the only thing I remember about last year is Winston with a touchdown. Winston with a touchdown to the other team. Over and over and over again. That's all I remember. <laughs> so in other news, um, this is kind of breaking-ish news. Um, UNM and NMSU can now begin practicing in the state. Wow. But will they if they can't play their games here? They can't play games here, but they can practice in the state. Then why would they practice here if they're not going to play their games here? It's the same thing as United. I mean... Well, they practice here if they can't play at home. I guess. To me, if a college like with what they're with what they're well, actually, I was gonna say something about with what they're doing working right now, but I'm pretty sure it's obvious that at least for the men, uh, for the men's basketball team, it is not working. Um, so it was working for a little bit because they did go, I think, four and zero, maybe three and zero, and then they punched themselves in the freaking testicles yeah so i don't know seven in a row um it's good news for nmsu though because they haven't practiced yeah in like two and a half weeks now i think it's a good step towards Mm -hmm. a solid return yeah a solid plan for for actually playing in the state but as far as the ability to actually practice here it I don't know how much it's actually going to change anything. Yeah. I don't I don't see the point in them practicing and leaving the state again. I mean, especially for UNM, uh, their practice already doesn't seem to be paying off for them. So uh, maybe it's just move on from the season. But uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Jacob, go and get us out of here. Yeah, let's see if I remember how to do this. Um Actually, let's be honest. I didn't know how to do it even when we were doing it every week. Um, I love coming on here, guys. I love talking about New Mexico United. I love uh, the little tangents that we get off on. Um, I'm going to be really excited when we actually have soccer to talk about that's going on in the field. Um, I'll be happy when we have a schedule 
or any kind of idea as to when the season is starting, how many games we're going to play, where we're going to play them and whatnot. So um, for the listeners out there, uh, thank you for sticking with us. Um, You know, we started this at probably the worst time that you could start anything, uh, which was right before COVID happened. Um, But we have stuck with it and we've stuck with it because of you guys. Uh, So we're happy that you guys have, have, uh, kept listening and, and kept tuning in and, and we hope that you guys continue to do so. Um, if you're a dad out there, um, me and Seth almost did a dad venture podcast last week. Um, so hopefully we can nail, nail that down and actually get it done, um, next week. Uh, so you guys can check that out. Um, we'll probably be back, be back here in two weeks, I think is what the plan is. Um, unless just absolutely nothing happens. Um, and honestly, even if nothing happens in the Mexico United world, we'll, I will push to come back so that we can talk about bees and card magic um, at the very least. For Seth, for Earl, for myself, uh, we thank you. Please check us out on social media. Uh, Earl is still running our Facebook account. Um, I've been active on and off on our Twitter Seth runs the actual uh, Sun podcast Twitter. And Seth, you can cut this out if you want to, but because um, we haven't really talked about it, but we are looking to rebrand. So if you see in two weeks, if we get it done, um, it's not called Suncast anymore. Uh, don't be too shocked out there. Don't, don't think that your podcast player of note has broke or something like that. Um, we are looking to change it up a little bit and um and whatnot but we will still be the same three guys covering the the team that you love and and the sports and the community that you love so um reach out to us on social media if you need to you can email us at jacob seth or earl at deadventuresmedia.com and uh until next time guys someone's news you've been listening to suncast the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff, too, on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.